Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host of the Full Confidence Head Podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life, from family relationships to finance, from careers to community, and I am just totally overjoyed today. Today we have on here one of my new friends who I'm just, you guys, I'm so excited I met this incredible woman, Dr. Meredith Goffin. Do you want to just say hello to our audience? Absolutely. I am 100% thrilled to be here as well. And Katie Ann said we are new fast friends. Exactly. I almost like doing your intro, I'm almost like caught up in speech because I'm like, this is like the most incredible person. I'm so excited to have you on. But let me just explain your background a little bit to our listeners so they can be just enamored that you're here with us. So Dr. Meredith Goffin is not only a master of the surgical gowns, but of the pageant crowns. And you're going to just love her. She's got all this background. So she did her undergrad in finance. Yes, I said finance. That has nothing to do with medical or pageant stuff. This girl's well-rounded. So finance was her undergrad. And she went, um, you went off to London to go and do your science credits for med school, right? I actually studied musical theater in London and then um, (laughs) and so it's super fun I love I love a little bit of everything so that's a little bit about yes my life is just pepper in just a little bit of everything (laughs) I just can't even I know that the pre-med students are always just dying with their classes and you're like oh you know I'll just like throw in finance which is super hard in there and then like a musical theater which I know the hours of practice I'm like those are not easy things just to like casually throw in with (laughs) pre-med and then you're doing it abroad in London it was so oh. fun. And luckily for me, I am not mm-hmm. as as talented to do actual musical theater. So I studied it from the the audience uh-huh. perspective. So our job was to go to the West End and watch and then critique. Oh. Like everything I had, no critique. It was just, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What was your favorite show down there? I just have to know. Oh, I would say, I mean, I feel like the classics are just always oh, phenomenal, yeah. whether it's oh, yeah. um, Les Mis with like the rotating uh-huh. like stage to Wicked to Lion King. I just feel like I just I love theater. Oh, I do too. I, I just I, in London. That's a that's a checkmark spot for me one day. Bucket list items. So, yeah. oh, I just like want to be you with all that. <laughs> so then, after your undergrad, you went to the U of U Med School. And the thing is, she didn't just go to the U of U Med School, listeners. She graduated with honors and is a resident <laughs> in dermatology. You're in your last year of dermatology. And just a little background, if you're not familiar with the med school and whatnot, dermatology is a specialized field that is very difficult to get into. So the fact <laughs> that she's finishing up her residency in dermatology and is a doctor, this is like, this girl is brilliant. So we're just so excited to have you on. But I feel a personal connection to you just because you're a former Miss Provo and you play the harp, right? Exactly. We have (laughs) that that commonality, that that, that thread that binds us. It's so funny. Like once you're Miss Provo, you're always Miss Provo. So for our listeners, I was Miss Provo a couple years ago and I also play the harp. So it's like, and, and harpist, oh, Few and far between, and harpists are always friends with harpists. <laughs> oh, 100%. I, I, I'd give you an extra string anytime. <laughs> oh my gosh, that means the world. Like, literally. <laughs> oh, I love that. How long have you been playing the harp? Yes, I originally started playing the piano when I was okay. six um, because my harp 
teacher wouldn't uh, take new students unless they knew how to sight read uh -huh. music. Yep. Just because yeah. I've like, heard you say before, you know, the harp is really like a piano turned upright. Um, right. So it just right. makes learning the harp so much easier when you kind of have that standardized musical theory, which is really robust on the piano. So mm -hmm. I spent um, and continued the piano throughout my life, but uh, harp when I was nine. So three, three years of dedicated yes. piano and then added harp. Right. So that's really early on still to be a nine, play the harp. That is so, what's your favorite harp piece to play? Because I know I have mine, like, it's kind of my comfort piece, you know, had a hard day, you play that piece. You're sad, you play that piece. You're happy, you play, like, I have my piece, but what's your piece? hundred percent. Yes. Um, I would say the piece that's most... Um like intrinsic to who I am uh -huh. is uh -huh. Baroque Flamenco by oh, oh, yes, <laughs> which is what my like competition piece was um, for all but one oh, of my Patrick my competitions. And that so, was my competition piece. Yes, it's <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite piece yeah. and just uh, the history of it uh, mm -hmm. for me at least was she had never like fully published the the song when I was starting to compete. So it was yeah. out there, but mostly with like the orchestral version, because when she um, wrote it, it was for like a whole orchestra. Um, right. So that like was kind of the sheet music was floating out a bit, but no like harp solo. And so when I was getting ready to, to compete, that was right when she was like actually going to start publish the music. And so I kind of got all these different pieces, but the piece in of itself is like seven minutes long. And right, it's long. <laughs> And so uh -huh. um, what I love about it is that, you know, I got to really um, design what those 90 seconds were going to be. And so I just have mm -hmm. memories of like sitting on my the living room floor next to the harp with like papers, scissors, glue, yeah. tape. It was, like really created my arrangement uh, from scratch. And so that piece just lives in my heart as one of my absolute favorites. Oh my gosh, I totally relate to all those things. Sitting on the floor with copies of your music, being like, okay, I love this measure, cutting it, pasting it on a piece of paper. Like literally the cut and paste is is like real. <laughs> exactly, it's like legitimately papers and scissors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, and here is my harp arrangement. That's so fun. That was my very first competition piece too when I, I competed in 2016 in Miss Sandy. I changed it for Miss Provo, but I wish I had done Miss Provo with it and then I would have been doing tribute to you. Like, <laughs> that would No, have been... you're amazing. I uh, have been uh, in the audience uh, a few times to hear you play and you're truly oh, like so talented so and so tremendous. <laughs> that is so fun. Okay, I have to know too. So for our listeners, when you're in the Miss America organization, you run on, a, we now call it social initiative, but platform of a topic that you're passionate about that you go and serve the community. What would was yours? Yes. Um, mine was entitled HERO, which was an acronym mm -hmm. for helping everyone reach out. I felt like wow. in my life was just so much of my confidence and happiness really mm -hmm. resolved about stepping outside of myself and mm -hmm. serving others and learning about other people and where they came from and trying to um, step into their shoes for a period of time. And so I really wanted other people to be able to um, to have those experiences. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have, um, I was really involved with like a Make-A-Wish Foundation and various different kind of pediatric cancer organizations, but I wanted people to find something that they were passionate about themselves because, you know, mm -hmm. maybe people aren't passionate about that road, but they're passionate about personal finance. I know that was yours mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. And I just wanted to create, um, excitement about serving and in your community, no matter what you choose to do. So that's what um, 
the hero stood for is just helping people find avenues to reach out in their communities. I love that. It's, it really is like helping people become the best version of themselves reaching out through like what they love and that I just that's beautiful I didn't know that that just makes my heart so happy (laughs) and it's still I feel like um kind of is intrinsically in my life now I'd go into school Uh and kind of we talk about like the the hero mentality and how they have to like suit up into their their like superhero suits and so even today like when I get ready to go to clinic I like always think to my head you know you suit up you step up and then you serve up um and so you know I put in like my on my white coat you know that's me suiting up to kind of put on my my armor for today the the years of education that have gone into it to really to step up to be able to help people with their skin concerns and to make them feel more at home in their body so they can mm-hmm. go out and win in their skin so they can go out and reach out and not have to be worried so much about you know how other people perceive them because of their skin you know that's like just everything you said I'm like oh yep yeah, okay I trust her as my doctor <laughs> I'm seeing her every day you know, I, I just love that I wanted to ask about because you kind of just connected this experience between your pageant experience and your medical experience because they seem so wildly different but I want to know this journey from crown to gown like this is in search like it's so like it even sounds cute but you're so talented so how did you go from this competition and what did you take from that into the medical and also where did medical come from because you were doing finance <laughs> musical theater and suddenly I'm like wait med school this is awesome I love it, it and it is one of those things I do love like I, I that phrase that variety is the spice mm-hmm. of life and that really has mm-hmm. been something that has been so true without uh throughout my life but mm-hmm. yeah those kind of two very disparate um organizations or pathways through life really did meld to become my road. And how it all started is, well, when I was young, my father is a physician. um, So I had him to look up to. And he is such an incredible example of selfless service and someone who truly feels passionate and excitement about what he does every day. He's woken mm-hmm. up at like 530 his entire life and gets home super late every time he's a he's a surgeon. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they call him, he has to go in um, mm-hmm. to work. And I just felt like his attitude about his life and his like um, that, that joie de vivre of just like loving what you do is something that always was on my mind of what do I love to do that Mm. I could find that passion and do for years like he's done. And so that was always kind of an inkling there as a child. And my mom was a nurse. And so also she was the person that, you know, took care of us as kids, but also banded up emotionally, (laughs) physically. And so she was an incredible example as well. And uh, so that started, seed was planted kind of at at a young age. And then it was in pageants where I got started as a junior in high school and my, I have an older sister and she had done what was formerly called the junior miss program or distinguished young women. Distinguished women. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she is my ultimate role model and incredibly, um, amazing at all that she does incredibly hard worker and she ended up placing first runner up at the mm-hmm. state competition. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Oh. So like, that's a high bar. She always sets the bar really hard, but I was like, Oh my goodness, Steph, like, how am I supposed to uh, step up to that as well? And so I really got started in pageants because I had seen my sister do it. And, you know, that phrase in Miss Congeniality, when they say, you know, the scholarship program and, you know, not a beauty <laughs> pageant, I really do think that's true for uh-huh. um, why I got involved is yeah. because I was really 
academically focused. That's where I got like a lot of my identity from. And I wanted to be able to then kind of round out the rest of my life, whether that would be, oops, sorry, lost my microphone there. Um, whether that be through um, like the scholastic side of it, through the heart performing, being able to work on my public speaking. And so I entered the Utah's, um, Miss Utah's Outstanding Teen Competition, which is the little sister yeah. to the Miss Utah, Miss America competition. And I was fortunate and lucky enough to come away with the state title that year. And- Wow, whoa, wait, <laughs> wait, you did at teen? I did, yes. So that was my very oh my first, first pageant. <laughs> That's crazy. Opened up so many doors and so many life lessons that I just fell in love with the process. And I mm-hmm. think that's what to me pageants were about. It wasn't about that singular night where you stepped on stage and it was a competition. It really was about the journey that got you to the person that stepped on the stage that made me a better person, that made me confident enough to stand up on that stage, uh, whether it be through my public speaking or the hours that went uh, sitting on the harp bench and getting the calluses, the blood blusters, but continuing to play through them, um, working on my, my mental fitness, my physical fitness um and that's what I really derive like pleasure from and the that sort of competition where to me it wasn't about competing against the girl next to me it was about becoming my best self and celebrating the fact that they were becoming their best selves Mm. as well and so I really feel fortunate that that year was my year I do think different day different night different winner but you know that was my night and so I had a fantastic year um, serving Utah in that arena. And then the next year was my my chance to compete at uh, Distinguished Young Woman of Utah, formerly Junior Miss. And I had the incredible and fortunate opportunity to then become Utah's Junior Miss. Um, Wait, this Woman. too? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, oh my God. This is crazy. Wow. <laughs> and that was one of the probably highlights of uh, my life just because I felt so much pressure coming into that competition having been Miss Utah's Outstanding Teen and I felt so scared at that time Mm -hmm. um, that I wouldn't live up to not only the expectations that I placed on myself but those expectations that I felt that other people had for me which is one of the big lessons that I learned in life is that they don't I'm not sure if they really exist. You know, I think we build mm-hmm. them up in our head that these people are looking at us or thinking we need to act or become a certain thing or win a certain thing. Where I think most people, the people that you want in your corner are just happy to see you doing something you love and are happy to be there and celebrate you and your successes, but are also there to pick you up when you when you don't quite reach the milestone that you're 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 yearning for. Um so I had the wonderful opportunity to serve again as Miss Utah's, uh, sorry, as Utah's Junior Miss. I um, am so grateful for that organization because Aww. that was where I gained most of my scholarship money. So I competed at the national stage and won first runner-up um, at America's Junior Miss and ended Wait, up walking you away. Do, you were first runner-up? <laughs> you are blowing my mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, and so all in all, throughout my pageant experience, I earned close to $40,000 in cash scholarships, Whoa. which funded um, part of my medical school journey. Mm-hmm. And so that brought me into um, BYU. I 
at that point thought I was going to be a neuroscience major. I was all in on Wait, are you uh, serious? I started yeah. out as neuroscience. <laughs> I love it. This is making my whole day. I'm like, wait, all these broke flamenco neuroscience. I'm like, I'm a mini you. <laughs> you're, like I said, Except for you, you like, you. oh, no, no, no. Except for you like have all these amazing titles, but I, I'm, no, I'm aspiring no, no. to be you. But I do have to say, like, you're so sweet to say I have all the titles. I will say, though, if anyone's listening that is in pageants is, the fact that I did not win um, mm-hmm. more times than I did win. Um, mm-hmm. And I am purposely not saying that I lost because I really don't like right. that term in pageants because you don't, you never lose because it was never right. your title to begin with. And in actuality, right. because of that journey to get to that stage, you gained, you won so many things. And mm-hmm. so, but I do like to keep that perspective because sometimes we do talk about the highlight reel of like, this is the titles that I um, was lucky yeah. enough to have. But the, the, the flip side is that I did not win many more titles. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm so glad you, you prefaced that too, because that's, so the reality I love that yeah exactly and like I said different different night different winner um everyone kind of has their own Mm -hmm. own journey through that so just keeping that perspective um but yeah so that brought me to to BYU I had a little bit of a a life-altering experience my sophomore year which was going to be my big gear up um for medical school I would finish my sophomore year and take the MCAT which is the entrance exam to to medical school and I ended up kind of a few weeks into that sophomore year um getting uh, what they call rhabdomyolysis. And so essentially the muscles all from my waist down to like my toes um, were like cramping and essentially kind of uh, breaking open. And it was extremely, extremely painful. So I was actually hospitalized because I didn't know what was going on and all that stuff. And your muscles are supposed to stay in your muscles. And so when all those kind of toxic byproducts come out, your kidneys have to filter them. and kidneys got overwhelmed and I went into a like acute renal failure and during all of this they just didn't know what was happening and I didn't know what was happening we didn't know if I'd ever like learn like walk normally again if the acute renal failure would turn into chronic renal failure which is life-threatening and all of these things are happening and then essentially they came back because it was days weeks later that they were like we think you need to withdraw from the semester because we just don't know the timeline on this and that devastated me like Mm -hmm. I said I gained so much of my identity through like scholastic pursuits Mm -hmm. and to be able to like have that just all of a sudden taken away was just like like I said life-altering and so I really had to go back to the drawing board I had never thought that I would be taking a leave of absence from school and you know in my mind what would that look like on applications what would that look like you know down the road um who am I now essentially and I am so lucky that um, over time I did like get out of the hospital, learn to rewalk, um, help came all the way back. So I'm extremely fortunate in that way, but it did cause me to just reflect on what I wanted and who I was. Mm. And from that, that's when kind of I started thinking more about finance was I just felt like my life was so off the track that I thought I was supposed to be on. It's like funny right. looking back now because it was like one semester, but that one semester put me back kind of one year in the yeah. ultimate range of trying to get to medical school. And then, you know, yeah. self-catastrophizing of like, oh my gosh, and then it's just one right. more year. <laughs> right, right. I, I get it. Yeah. Scheme of like <laughs> years of training. So it's yeah, yeah. funny to me now, but you know, the yeah. 19, 20 year old, it seems like my life was completely right over and so my sister and my brother had both been a part of the Marriott School of Business and 
Um, I loved kind of seeing their trajectory. Um, they spoke so highly of the people that were in their programs. And so I ended up applying for the finance uh, major, which was, I think, yeah. at that point, like two years old, they had made it its own standalone major um, in the, the business um, kind of college. And I got accepted and I was like, awesome, this is going to be my road. And I thought maybe I would do business consulting because it's kind of like uh, a little bit like the doctors of the business world. They go into companies and try to diagnose them and make them a little bit better. And I was like, perfect, you know, we'll we'll work on that. And then it just, it never quite felt Hmm. right. I Hmm. loved like the actual academics of finance Mm -hmm. and like doing the problems and doing the homework, but I could never just get to the point of seeing myself, um, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road of actually doing a job in finance. And so I just kept like that inner turmoil of, I don't know what to do. And that's when I went to London on study abroad. Cause I was like, maybe I just need to like remove myself from this whole thing and reset and find out what I want to do. And so there, I got a lot of clarity and came back and decided, nope, med school is the way for me. And so I started retaking or started taking the, the pre-med courses as well as the finance courses to finish that. And the rest is history. Uh, medical school is uh, kind of my calling and dermatology wow. was the, really what I wanted, wanted to do um, since the very beginning. I love the intrinsic tie of kind of our mind-body connection of like how we perceive ourselves um, with through our skin and as a dermatology how we can help people build confidence by finding confidence giving them confidence in their skin and the way they look that's just an incredible journey I also like how you segue that London was kind of a reset because sometimes like things on your resume seem like these big like wow huge adventure which it was but it also was a time to like like it wasn't your perfect life wasn't happening also you know it was like a, a transition point I just love that. We're going to have a moment for our sponsors really quick. And then we're just excited to come back into your med school journey, especially as a woman. This is just amazing. I just wanted to pause and give a moment to our sponsors. Now, you guys, (laughs) I'm afraid of three things. And that's snakes, haunted houses, and going over my budget. And Utah Money Mons has helped me calm my fear of going over my budget through their free webinars and downloadable materials. Last December, they actually had a webinar for panic procrastinators, and it helped me stay in the budget and keep calm while I was getting all the gifts that I needed during the holiday season. They actually helped 86% of their followers create a financial goal. So head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to get your free financial confidence boost. Okay, we're back from our break, and you just shared with us the incredible experience that you had, both with that semester taking off of school, which is a big deal. Like, that is such a big deal. In in the long, like, when you look back on your life, oh, a semester, but in the moment, that is so life-altering, and especially with med school applications, being a year behind can feel like a huge, huge (laughs) difference. So we totally understand that. But now you've kind of brought us up to the journey to the point of being in med school. And I really want your perspective of being a woman in med school, because that's something that is kind of newer to society. It's, It's being more accepted, and it's also challenging. So what was that like for you? Absolutely. And, you know, I did grow up in a very like conservative uh, city growing up. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't something that I was very exposed to either. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have to give a lot of credit to my parents because they always Mm -hmm. made it seem like anything I wanted to do was exactly what I was meant to do. Um, I have, like I had said before, an older brother and an older sister. And 
they never made it seem like my brother was doing, you know, other things like, oh, that's more of Jeff's wheelhouse, like whether that be science or sports or, you know, like um, traditional like male things or yeah. female things, you know, we did everything all together, whether that was Jeff learning how to sew um, or <laughs> and Stephanie like playing soccer and things like that. Oh like gosh. we just, yeah. we did it all. And yeah. that was just what was expected in our family. Yeah. Is, like everyone um, was just expected to do everything um, right. and be a, be a team player. And so that's how I grew up. And so then coming into society more and realizing that maybe that wasn't how everyone thought or everyone grew up um, was something that was um, a little bit more challenging to overcome, mm -hmm. especially um, going to, again, a conservative um, undergrad, um, uh, which I absolutely loved. I loved my time at BYU, but I would definitely say I was like one of a very few females in the finance department at that time and very right. a few um, of the females in women in um, applying to medical school. And mm -hmm. But at that same time, I loved being one of those uh, those women and uh, having a, a, the chance to to step up. And I feel like there's been so many trailblazing women um, that I am so lucky to stand on the shoulders of giants, um, how that saying goes. So I am definitely not the first and I'm absolutely not the last because I think statistically now um, it's a little bit like 55% women in medical school, 45% um, male right. at this point, which it's is like absolutely totally phenomenal. crazy. Yeah, exactly. And so I do think that there um, are still some challenges, some roadblocks um, because of the kind of societal shifts and mindsets. But I do think that um, when you go in and you're just open to being being the best that you can be and mm -hmm. really not focusing. I guess my thing was I just never really focused on it. I knew that I had the mental capacity, the physical capacity, the emotional capacity to be just as good as anyone else. And I think that's what I focused on. It wasn't because I was um, a woman. It wasn't because I was comparing myself to um, my male counterparts. It was just because I was mm -hmm. Meredith and I knew that I could, could step up to the challenge. Okay, how did you get to that point though of knowing like, I can do this because sometimes that's the hardest part. You're like, ah, can I really, oh, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's that fear of, at least for me, it was that fear of failure of what if I said yeah. I'm going to do something and then I come up short. Like yeah. that is so, oh, yeah. that to me was so scary. Um, and then I realized that after a few times when it happened, you know, that failure wasn't <laughs> fatal. <laughs> and yeah. I, that, that phrase of failure isn't fatal and success isn't permanent. Um, yeah. I think really rang true. And it was something that I would talk to my, my family about. I was like, I, I don't know if like this, what this time will work out. Um, and I think a lot of times I had said before, we focus on that, that highlight reel and that's what people see. But I think the main thing looking back on my life is that I intrinsically, uh, a lot of things don't come very easy for me. Like I've had to work really, really hard at anything that I've chosen to pursue. Um, I've had a lot of like, luckily um, success in those realms, but it's not anything that I would say that I was just born to be good at. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so for me, I think the confidence comes 
from like true accomplishment. So by starting like when you're younger and having those little, little successes, whether it be my mom had this little, you are special plate when we were younger. So if we succeeded at a spelling test or a math test when we were younger, we all, she would set the plate at dinner and celebrate those little wins. And I think it just, those moments when you're younger really tied into then having this kind of intrinsic confidence that it may not work out the way that it in your mind mm-hmm. you thought it should but it works out in the way that it is supposed to and sometimes that can be hard to hear and you don't really have that comfort in the moment but you give yourself a little time and maybe a few weeks few months few years down the road you gain that clarity of that's why that happened or that's why mm-hmm. I was supposed to supposed to do this and I think that's something that's really happened in in my life is I didn't know I was supposed to be in the hospital I didn't know I was supposed to do finance and all of these things that really um happened now I see that they were for very specific reasons and set me up to become who I am today um when my dad gave me one of the best pieces of advice when I was making that that decision of finance versus medicine and for me it was really about the time that I was going to be spending investing in my education um I grew up with my dad saying um the best in like an investment in education always pays the greatest dividends. And so I knew I wanted to do something where I was investing in myself, investing in my education. But I was like, dad, I am going to be 30 by the time that I am like a fully specialized doctor. Now I laugh because I am at that point, I am 30 and I'm almost done. And it seems like a blink of an eye. Um, (laughs) And like, it just was something he was like, Meredith, you're going to be 30 when you are 30. Would you rather be doing something that you love and you're passionate about? Or would you will you be looking back and saying, oh, eight years ago, I wish I would have made a different choice and starting again when you're 30. And so I think that's something that I always tell myself is in the end, it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you're enjoying the journey. That is like the most beautiful little nugget in your life and that I, I just want to know how do you celebrate your small successes now I, do you still like do you have a little special plate or like how as an adult do you do that absolutely I'm all about um like celebrating the, the mm-hmm. successes in your life and then getting back to work and I do think that a lot of times if we don't do that then it becomes like a, a sludge through life so I'm all about you know whether it's uh like a little something um you know, like getting your nails done, uh, getting right. a massage, um, just taking time for yourself, like saying, hey, I'm going to, you know, watch the latest like Lord of the Rings series on Amazon <laughs> tonight, you know, just taking a break uh-huh. and be like, no, like I've, I've worked really hard. Now I'm going to have a little piece of, of me time. And I continue to still do that today. I have like little check mark things like all across my house. And, you know, when I get to a certain point, then I get, I get a reward. You know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like a toddler in that way is I still have like my reward checklist. <laughs> I do too. It's okay. <laughs> a lot of mine are like, it's small, but I love my, um, my uh, fruit snacks. I'm like, yes. I did my task. I can eat my fruit snacks <laughs> for exactly, practicing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get this, but with practicing the heart, but like those hard measures, I would like put goldfish on my stand and and mind this. It's as an adult, not as a kid. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, this measure is so hard. Eat a goldfish. <laughs> And it's those small little rewards that that keep you going. So I'm all about that. Yeah. 
celebrate your wins and then get back to work. I just, we are just amazed by you and your affinity for life, your celebration of life, your accomplishments. It has just been a joy to have you on here. We want to ask you what we always ask everyone. And I just so want to hear what you have to say with this question. But what is one piece of advice you'd give your younger self to boost your confidence? Absolutely. I think for me, it is that that saying of, let me think one second. Sorry. <laughs> you so I think for me, it is the saying, um, shoot for the moon. And even if you mm-hmm. miss, you'll land among the stars. Um, mm-hmm. Always kind of just reach for what, what you want. And sometimes we don't always get that exact goal that we were going for. But sometimes life surprises you on the twists and turns and it turns out so much better than you ever expected. And I think it goes hand in hand with the quote of um, kind of never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. That's something that I've told myself for the past 10 years is the answer will always be no, unless you ask, you otherwise try or step up to the plate to keep that analogy going. And if you don't, you know, step up and swing or ask, the answer was like always going to be no anyway. So if you get a no, that's fine. And then you adjust mm-hmm. and you pivot and you do something else. So I say, you know, go for it. Swing for the fences, shoot for the stars, land on the moon, do anything you want to do. Mm, I, I love that. You have given us so much to go home and celebrate life, work through life and ponder on. I'm just so grateful that you're here sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for taking the time. And as a doctor, I know like your time is precious. Like you're working crazy hours and residency and all that. So thank you, truly. Thank you so much for being on here with us. But we wanted our listeners to know if they want to connect with you, where can they come and find you? Absolutely. Right now, I am just mainly on Instagram as like my social media um, at M and then Gafane. So G A U F I N. Um, so yeah, M Gafane. I think I said your name wrong when we first started this. Like, oh, <laughs> that's okay. Podcast was exactly so sorry. I mean, it was like golfing. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Well, no one's perfect, right? <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. It, 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 you did so, you, you pronounced it perfectly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, podcast listeners, we're so glad that you were with us today, that you got, oh, we're just so grateful for you, Meredith. Really, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your cart and you just click checkout and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEAN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together.
Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.